Hey, my name's uh, Chase Courtney. I'm the high school pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, love, love high schoolers, love student ministry. And here's the deal about student ministry. We say this all the time. They talk back to us, all right? So they're, they're loud, they're rowdy sometimes. We're okay with that. So you guys can do that as well. Are y'all good with that? Anybody like boring church? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Let's, let's be lively. Hey, uh, during this series, Lucky Mud, Pastor Jason has been reminding us of a few important things that we need to know as Christ followers, as people in general. The first thing is this, that you are a masterpiece. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, I'm a masterpiece. You need to start treating me like that, right? I am a masterpiece that I am uniquely designed by our creator, right? And the second thing is this, is that I have a purpose, a powerful purpose that only you can do. Come on, I hope you understand that, that you have a purpose that God has given you that only you can do the way that he wants you to do it, right? We are uniquely designed by the creator and he calls us to an incredible purpose. But here's the deal. Many times we just stop there. Thank you, God, for creating me. Thank you, God, for giving me a purpose, for, for loving me. But we stop there. So today I want to wrap up this series, Lucky Mud, by just challenging us, giving us a call and a challenge to actually go and do something about it, right? For, some, for there to be some movement. That's what I've been praying all week. God, would you allow there to be movement within this church? Would you allow there to be movement within the body of Christ today? that we can see influence, that we can see restoration happen in our city, in our community. Are y'all with me today? Do y'all want that? Do y'all wanna see restoration happen? Awesome. If we really believe that we're designed by God, if we really believe that we're a masterpiece, if we really believe that we have a powerful purpose, our lives will reflect that in the way we live, right? Have you ever met somebody that are just, they are so passionate and so radical about something that they believe that everything in their life revolves around that thing, right? Even if it gets annoying sometimes to see that. Like, have you ever met that person that they're so obsessed with one thing? Not, not necessarily a good thing, but they're so obsessed with that thing and they believe in it so much that everything in their life wraps around that thing, right? That's called belief and that's called action, putting action to what you believe. And so we're gonna go there today and ask ourselves, what are we doing to see restoration happening? What are we doing to see God move in our community? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are a good God. God, we thank you that you did design us and that you love us, God, that you call us your masterpiece, God, that you call us your favorites, God, that every single person in this room, God, right now is your favorite. That's the mystery of the gospel. That's the mystery of who you are is that we're all your favorites, God, and you love us and you call us to a, to a huge purpose, God. So Lord, I pray that today you would give us the courage, God, you would stir our heart for more, Jesus, to go and to make a difference. God, to go into our world in every area of our life to see life change happen. Father, we welcome you in this place. We know it's only you that can bring life change. So we welcome you to do what only you can do. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, I'm gonna be reading from John 9, um, a pretty popular passage of scripture that maybe you've heard before, a really creative miracle that Jesus does. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 9. If not, it'll be on the screen. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a, blind, a man who had been blind from birth, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? 
Jesus responds, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here, I am the light of the world. I'm gonna stop there for a moment. I just find it interesting that the disciples and Jesus are walking along and they see this blind beggar, right? They see this guy that from birth, he has never been able to see. And the first thing the disciples do are try to look for the blame, right? They try to find the cause behind it. They try to look for someone to blame for this brokenness instead of having compassion and saying, Jesus, what can we do, right? Like seriously, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for a while now. They know that Jesus can heal this guy. They know that Jesus can change all things and heal brokenness, yet the very first thing they recognize is they try to put blame on someone, right? How many of you know that as humans, we do that so often? Come on, are you with me? Or am I the only one, right? Something so dumb happens at home and you, we feel like it's a big tragedy and we try to put the blame on our spouse, right? Ain't nobody laughing now, right? It's like, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm not gonna say anything that happened this morning, right? Something goes wrong and all of a sudden you're like, it was your fault because of something you did this morning. It was like a ripple effect that caused that to happen, right? Now, sometimes stuff just happens, right? And it's no one to blame, right? But so often, even as Christ followers, we're not immune to this type of thinking. We try to put the blame on something. We see brokenness in our world, and then all of a sudden we say, well, they shouldn't have made those bad decisions, right? They wouldn't be in the situation they're in, right? We were downtown San Antonio and we step over a homeless person and we say, you know, I really hope something happens good in their life, but maybe they made bad decisions in their life that put them there. Instead of us as Christ followers leading the charge and saying, what can I do to restore brokenness, right? How can I have compassion? Because I know the Jesus inside of me, right? Come on, are you with me? How can I have compassion? How can I see brokenness restored in my world around me because I know that Jesus is inside of me instead of putting the blame? You see, we can, we can spend a lifetime trying to figure out who to blame for all the brokenness that we see. We can blame Trump. We can blame Obama. We're still blaming Bush, right? We can blame global warming. We can blame millennials and they probably should be blamed, right? I'm part of it. That's probably the biggest problem. We can blame Hollywood and celebrities. We can blame the church. We can blame anyone we want to, but the fact remains is that sin is here. Sin is in our world and as long as there is sin, there will always be brokenness, right? And so we can continue looking for blame or we can say, Jesus, I know you're greater than sin. I know that you're greater than brokenness. So let's get something done, right? Jesus inside of me, spirit of God inside of me, there is brokenness. What are we gonna do about it? How can I partner with you, God, to see healing happen? How can I partner with you? You see, Jesus declares the real reason behind the brokenness in this story is so that God's power could be seen I'm telling you guys, Christ followers, body of Christ, we can see the power of God in Bernie. We can see the power of God in Bandera and comfort in San Antonio and all throughout this region. It just takes us being willing to stop putting blame and just saying, God, what do you wanna do? How can brokenness be restored in this place? What do you wanna do through me? We can see it. Have you ever seen someone do something that didn't make sense to you? They had reasoning behind it, but to you, it was really confusing why they did things the way they did. Come on, you've 
everyone, I know every, every married couple has like, you have something between one another where it's like, I don't know why you do it that way and it drives me nuts, but I know you have your reasoning, so I'm just gonna let you do what you do, right? Um, I was asking Ashley this week, I was like, hey baby, what's, what are some things that I do that just drive you nuts? Um, even if it, like there's good reason behind it, but you just don't know why. And she quickly starts naming a bunch of things. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. I just need one, not the whole list, right? And even the one that you gave me is not good enough. So I'm gonna find something that I think, you know, about you, right? And so there is one thing that I just don't understand that my wife does. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the way she does it. And she has reasonings for it. But Ashley has this tendency that every single day she has like 15 alarms on her phone. They just go off all the time, especially in the morning. There's like, there's five, like five different alarms within one hour. And not only are they just alarms, but she'll snooze all of those. So it's like compounding interest. It just continues to go, right? So five alarms turn into 20, right? Within one hour. So every couple minutes, there's another alarm going off. And I'm like, oh God, just wake up. Like, just get up. Right, if you're gonna set an alarm, just set one and get up, right? Snooze it maybe one time. And I always ask her, why do you do this? And she's like, because I, I can't wake up quickly. I've gotta, I've gotta let it be a progression, right? Because if I wake up too quickly, I feel sick and I just, you don't want me to be grumpy. And, and there's all these reasons and it's like, all right, cool, you do you, right? And I'll just fight through all the alarms. And it's gotten better since we have a, a, boy, a little baby now because that's, we know that it's a natural alarm, right? You don't even need alarms anymore. They'll wake you up when they're ready. Um, and so sometimes we have, we have a tendency to be confused by the way people do things. And there's a, there's a story in John 9, and we're gonna continue reading here in a second, where Jesus does something that the, di the disciples probably were very confused by. And this blind man was probably very confused by because we always think there's a formula, there's a way of doing things, right? And when, when it changes, we're, we don't know what to do with that, right? So Jesus does something, and so I'm gonna read from John 9, verses six and seven. It says this, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now I want you to put, your, put yourself in the blind man's shoes for a second. I want, you to, I want you to put yourself in his position for a second. Obviously, he's blind from birth. He's never been able to see, but he can definitely hear, right? And he's probably heard of this man named Jesus. He's probably heard of the miracles. He's probably heard some of the teachings. He's probably just heard, you know, through the grapevine that this man named Jesus is in town. Oh, guess what? He's coming your way. And so there's this huge expectation probably for this blind man because he knows that Jesus has already healed blind people, right? Come on, if you were in this guy's, in this guy's position, you would be like, let's go, Jesus. I'm waiting for you. I can't see you, but I'm, gonna, I'm listening for your voice. I'm listening for that moment that you say, be healed, right? I'm listening for that moment where you put your hand on me and say, come on, like be healed in the name of myself, right? Guess that's what Jesus would say. I don't know. Just be healed, right? And so this blind man is listening for that. And you know what the only thing this blind man hears? <sighs> That's the only thing this blind man hears at first. He's probably just sitting there going, come on, where's that phrase, be healed? But all he hears is, 
You've gotta be wondering what this guy's thinking. He's like, what the heck is happening? Like Jesus has lost it, right? Maybe he's just clearing his throat so he can say be healed. Oh no, but Jesus is actually just spitting. He's just spitting in the dirt because he's got a way that he wants to heal. He's got a way that he wants to see the miracle happen for this guy, right? He's got a way. Such an awkward situation that it could be, especially when your expectations are something else, right? Now, granted, it is the Lord's spit, right? Lord's spit is a holy spit, but it's still, it's still spit, right? And some of you are like, that's disgusting. I can't believe you would make that sound in church. Some of y'all just, some of you ladies can probably spit pretty good, right? Like, you're just like, you just got, like, you got it. It's okay. But here's the deal. You put yourself in this blind man's shoes, be an awkward situation, but Jesus, how many of you know that Jesus is up to something? Jesus knows his stuff. Come on, are you with me today? Jesus knows his stuff, and it may seem weird to everyone else, but Jesus knew that there was a miracle happening that day, and in fact, you could say that maybe Jesus knew that there were some ingredients that needed to happen that day for this miracle to take place, right? There's two things, two things I wanna talk about today. It's the dirt and it's the spit. It's the dirt and it's the spit. You see, when you look at the Bible and you read through the Bible, dirt oftentimes represents humanity. It represents us. It represents the messiness of who we are, right? Pastor Jason used this verse a couple weeks ago in Genesis 2, 7. It says this, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person from the dust of the ground, from the dirt of the ground we were formed. But here's the deal, we need his spirit as well. And this water, the spit in this story, the water of Jesus, it's the DNA of God. It represents his spirit, right? Here's the deal, you and I cannot live without the spirit of God breathing life into us. Every single one of us, we were formed, but we need the breath of God to give us life. Come on, are you with me? We need the breath of God to give us life. And when we talk about going into the world and making a difference, guess what? You cannot go into the world just on your own and, say, and, and hope to make a difference. You need the spirit of God working on the inside of you and working through you to bring life. Come on, in your own power, in my own power, we are not able to transform lives. It's through the spirit of God inside of us. We need the dirt and we need the water. Your dirt mixed with his spirit has the potential for miracles. I want you to understand that. God could, use, God could use anybody he wants to. In fact, God is so sovereign and so powerful that he doesn't need to use anyone. God could heal anyone. He could do anything he wants to at any moment. But guess what God does? He chooses to use humanity. He chooses to use us in all of our messiness, in all of our dirt, right? And all of the junk in our lives, God still chooses us. He still chooses to use humanity to see his goodness come through. Does that not excite you guys? That we don't have a God that is distant and is just like, let me just do my thing and y'all exist. No, God wants relationship and God wants to use us to make a difference in our world because of his spirit inside of us. I don't know about you, but that messes me up. That, that changes the way that I live. That changes the way I, I view things because I want to be used by God, right? And I love that God takes the messiness and the dirtiness of who we are and fills it with his spirit and changes the world. He uses us. 
Real quick, I just want to, I want to talk about a few people that I've just kind of been following over the years, um, just even just through social media and just, um, just seeing what God is doing through people, um, through very imperfect, messed up people. Um, so I want to just name a few people that are doing some crazy things in the world. There's a guy named uh, Daniel Colinda. He is 38 years old and he is the president of Christ for All Nations. He's taken over for uh, the old evangelist, uh, Reinhard Bonnke. And this guy, 38 years old, he's already seen 21 million people come to Christ. 38 years old. 21 million people come to Christ through his crusades that he's doing all across the world. Like that's crazy stuff. You've got this lady named Heidi Baker. If you've ever heard of her, she is wild and she loves Jesus and she surrendered everything to him. In 1995, she got done with, with uh, her college and she just decided, I'm gonna move to Mozambique and I'm just gonna see what happens. 24 years later, she started 10,000 churches around the world, 5,000 in Mozambique, and she has an orphanage with hundreds of kids that she just loves on and sees miracles happen all the time. It's just a simple surrender and saying, yes, God, I will do what you call me to do, whatever it means. Right? There's a kid that, well, I say kid now, he's in his 20s, but a kid named Zach Hunter that when he was 12 years old, he saw the, the staggering number of people that are still in slavery around the world, 40 million people still in slavery around the world. And he said, what can I do? How can I, how can I make an impact as a 12 year old? And he started an organization called Loose Change to Loose Chains. Right, And in this first, their first month of him starting it, he raised $10,000 to, to just send across the world to try to help bring freedom. And now they've, years and years later, they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was just one guy, one 12-year-old that said, how can I make a difference? How can I create movement because of the spirit of God inside of me? And you may be thinking to yourself, well, like, man, I just, I got a big family. Like, I'm just trying to make ends meet. Like, I'm trying to just go to work and not get fired, right? Like, you're just trying to survive. How can I do all these things that you're talking about? It's just simply saying yes to Jesus. It doesn't have to look like you going to Africa. It doesn't, it doesn't have to look like you starting an organization. It just has to look like you moving. Just having some movement in our lives, guys, right? Just doing something. What is God calling you to do? How can you, if you own a business, how can you take care of your employees? And if you see brokenness, you can step up and say, I'm gonna help heal that thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what God can do, right? Students, how can you, how can you sit in class and see the broken students around you, your classmates? How can you choose to do something about it? How can you say yes to Jesus and say, God, would you use me to affect the one? right? Hey, don't worry about the 21 million. Worry about the one because the one will turn into more, right? As God, as we're faithful to the small things, God will show us. Here's the cool thing. Once again, you don't have to start an organization or move across the world. There's stuff happening in our city. There's people from this church that every week can go and feed the homeless in San Antonio. How can you step into that role? How can you be a part of that? Right? There's people in our church right now that every week go to the jails and they minister and they show the goodness of God. How can you be a part of that in every area of your life? Maybe it's just in your family and you've been a little distant, parents, and you, want to, you need to heal that brokenness maybe with your, with your kids. How can you be present? How can you say, I'm gonna say no to these things so I can be very present in my home and see healing happen? That's changing the world right there, just by being present in your home.
You see, there's nothing special about these people. They're broken, imperfect people like every single one of us. All it is is a surrender and saying, God, I will go, whatever it looks like. If it means Africa, let's go. If it means my home, let's go. I will do whatever you call me to do. I will be used by you because of your spirit. Second Corinthians five, Paul writes this, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. And I just went ahead and looked up the word reconciliation in the dictionary just to make sure that I'm like, all right, I got that. I know what that means, right? You know what the main definition was? It was restore. It's kind of the vision of this house, right? To find and restore. It's a good, it's a good, good mission right there. It's a good task. It's a, it's a good calling that God gives us, right? To find and restore the lost, to go out and to see the brokenness and not put blame on that and wonder why, why did they get there? No, but to say, God, I know that you can heal. I know that you can use this dirt, right? I know that you can use this messiness because of your spirit inside of me. So let's go and let's do it. Right? How can you use me, God, to reconcile people, to restore people back to you? See, it's the spirit of God living on the inside of us that determines the change. I love the, the story in the gospels of uh, the four, four friends that they, they have a, a friend that's on a stretcher and he's paralyzed and they're trying to get to Jesus. They're trying to put him in the house, right? And Jesus is crowded. There's a big crowd and he's teaching and they realize we can't get this stretcher through these people. So we're gonna have to do whatever it takes. We're gonna get on the roof, we're gonna cut a hole in the roof and we're gonna lower this man right in the presence of Jesus. What if we had that attitude every day we woke up? What if we had the attitude of these four guys that said, I will do whatever it takes to get people in front of Jesus. I will do whatever it takes to get the broken person or the broken situation in the presence of God. Because how many of you know that when you get in the presence of God, life change happens, right? That depression has to fall. That suicidal thoughts don't have to be there in the presence of God. That addictions can be broken. That marriages can be restored in the presence of God. And so you may know of some brokenness. Maybe you're dealing with brokenness right now. My, ch my challenge and encouragement to you, continue getting in the presence of God. Because things have to fall. And things have to change. Come on, how many of you believe that God's presence is big enough? Come on, it's sufficient enough. Whatever it takes. I love what Pastor Stephen Furtick says when he preached a message on John 9. He says, there are miracles in the mud. There are miracles in the mud. Come on, how many of you believe that? There are miracles in the places where God's presence intersects humanity. Come on, there are miracles even in the dirty places, right? Even in the places where it's inconvenient for us. In fact, I believe it's the places that we're uncomfortable, where we're inconvenienced, where we get our hands dirty. That's where the miracles are happening, right? It's when we stand back as Christ followers and we say, you know, I, I really, that's just a little too much for me. I don't want to get that passionate. Like, that's a little too bold for me. I'm going to play it safe. Those are the places where nothing's happening, where there's no movement, but it's stepping into the place of being uncomfortable and saying, God, I'm all in. That's the places where miracles are happening, right? That's because we're taking risks. That's when people are going for it and just saying, God, do what you can only do. 
because in my own power, I can't do this. Do what only you can do, God. We're gonna get our hands dirty. We're gonna take risk. So what are we doing to make a difference, church? I'm speaking to myself. It's hard going through a message like this all week and and preparing for this because the question is constantly there in my heart and I feel like God's speaking to me and saying, hey, Pastor Chase, what are you doing, right? Like, yeah, you can be a youth pastor and still do nothing, right? What are you doing, Chase, to change the world around you? How are you stepping out, especially outside of these walls? It's really easy to be Christ-like. It's really easy to do what God's called you to do in the safety of this place. But how are you taking risks, Chase, when you're outside of this place? Are you seeing brokenness and are you allowing God to heal those places? Are you being used in all of your messiness? And so as we wrap up, what are some, what are some practical ways that we can be used by God? How can we make a difference in the world? We can talk about it all day long. We can get all excited about it, but what are we gonna actually do? I think the first thing is simply this, it's just you surrendering and listening to the Spirit and saying, God, what do you want me to do? I can't just listen to the pastor on the stage and whatever he tells me to do, that's what I'll do. No, that's not what God called you to do. He called you to listen to him because it's based out of relationship and conversation. So what is the Spirit saying to you? Maybe there's something God called you to do a long time ago and you've played it safe. You haven't done that. Maybe God's calling you and stirring you up today to do those things. What's he calling you to do? And I I think we're on two sides of the, the spectrum sometimes. Sometimes we're over here and we're like, oh God, I see brokenness, but I can't do anything. I'm not good enough. Like I'm in a, I'm inadequate. I'm too messy. My life is messed up. And I think God's over here and he's looking at us and saying, great, that's perfect. That's where I've designed you to be. I want to fill you because I don't want it to be your own power. You're okay if you're messed up. I'm calling you deeper and I'm still using you. Come on, sometimes we feel so unworthy and so inadequate that we do nothing. And God's saying, man, I've, I've created you for more. You are a masterpiece and you might be messed up a little bit, but guess what? I still use the dirt. I still use the messy places to open blind eyes and to open the senses and to awaken people to his goodness. How are you being used? Are you listening? Are you responding? Maybe God's called you to pray for someone or just speak truth to someone and you've been afraid to do it. You're on this side and you're saying, God, my words don't matter. I've got no power. There's there's nothing in me. I don't even know how to pray out loud. God, I'm, I'm terrified to pray out loud. I can't pray for that person. And God's just right here and he's saying, your words are powerful because your words are my words because I'm speaking through you. Come on. And your words don't have to be fancy. Like, can we just break that, that lie that your words and prayer have to be fancy? It's a relationship with God. Do you always have fancy words for your children or for your spouse? No, you just say what's on your mind and you're genuine. It's the same thing with God. You just talk to him and he talks back to you. You may feel like, I don't know how to hear God. I don't know about you, but I've never heard the audible voice of God, Chase, go to that person right now, right? Like I've never heard that. I hear him in my mind, in my thoughts. I hear him in my, in my gut, right? There's been, there's been so many times where I've heard God say, you need to give money to that situation or to that person. 
Like, and I'm like, God, are you sure that's you? And then I'm like, well, yeah, definitely you because Chase, you would never think that on your own. Cause on your own, you'd be thinking I'll take that money back, right? Like, and so if God's speaking to you and it's some thoughts that you would never think on your own, you might wanna listen, right? If it's you being generous and you giving yourself and surrendering your life to see brokenness healed. You know, about a year and a half ago, obviously many of you know our story with Ashley and I. We, I remember we were, in the restu- we were in a restaurant and she looked at me and we were just kind of talking about things and it wasn't super serious. And she just said, I think it's time. It's time for us to adopt. And I was like, oh gosh, I knew you were gonna say that. Like, cause I felt it too. And so I'm on this side going, but how do we have the money to do it? We don't have any money. And it's like God was speaking through Ashley and Ashley's like, he'll take care of it. 50,000, no big deal. And I'm like, I'm worried about the bill at the restaurant right now, right? But God's got it. He took care of it. It was actually easy. Like I felt bad it was so easy, but God's got it. He takes care of it. And for us, that was a huge step in changing the world around us, right? To adopt a baby. Everyone should adopt a baby. Let's go. Just kidding. But really, y'all should do something like that. That'd be sweet. Maybe God's just simply calling you to encourage and build up. I think our culture has way too many situations, way too many relationships that it's all about tearing each other down and just, especially within student ministry, I can see it a lot and I've been a part of it is that we like to just cut at each other, right? Just all for laughs and for fun, but maybe we have a culture that encourages and maybe that's the the shifting point in our city. Maybe that's the shifting point of God bringing a revival to our nation just by people saying, I just love you. I just love you and I wanna encourage you. I wanna build you up, right? I want the best for you. Maybe it's being generous, not necessarily just with your finances, but being generous with your time, being generous with just investing into people, being generous with the passions and the giftings that God has given you. And about six months ago, I I got so fed up at myself because I see over and over, I see brokenness and I see situations that that could just use, like there could be some healing just by me being willing to invest maybe a little bit of money in that situation. And I always have an excuse for God. Well, God, I gotta take care of this and I gotta take care of that. And so about six months ago, I felt the Lord just call me. You just need to start another bank account, just another little bank account. And it's not gonna have a lot of money in it, but you need to pull money out every single week and just call that bank account generosity. That's all. And I can tell you, there's not much money in it at all. But what there is in there, it's my heart, right? Saying, I'm tired of having excuses when I see a need. When I see a need and I'm like, oh, I'd really love to do that, but God, I don't have the money. Or I can't really spare that. I just came to a point where I said, God, I'm tired of having excuses. I wanna be generous with everything I have. And I wanna love people well. And when you bring up a need, I wanna be there for it, right? I wanna be there for it, whatever it takes. And lastly is this, I think this is one of the most important things too. I think we will change the world and we will see movement for the kingdom happen when we're just genuine people. Just being genuine, just be the same person every single day. 
be the same person that you love Jesus in this place, let's love Jesus outside of this place, right? When we're at school, students, let's love Jesus as passionately as we love him here. Even when it's hard to, even when other people think you're nuts, when you're owning a business or you work for a corporation, whatever you do, can we be genuine people that say, God, I will just love you no matter what happens and no matter what people think. And be, I, I believe when you're genuine and you're authentic, people will see Jesus inside of you and they will be changed because you'll be showing the presence of God. Verse four again, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and no one can work. I love that scripture, the urgency that Jesus calls his people to. It's an urgency. We know that sin is still here. We know that there's still pain, there's still brokenness, but guess what? We have been healed. Come on, how many of you have been healed by God? Come on, how many of your eyes have been opened? How many of you have been awakened? Come on, we've been awakened. Our senses have been awakened to the goodness of God. And I love that Jesus says, why don't you go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And he's sending us. He's opening our eyes and he's sending us into our world. Come on, will we respond? Will we respond to the healing that God has given us? And he wants to challenge us to go and make a difference. I believe this, that the body of Christ, when the body of Christ knows who they are, and they know the power that they possess through his spirit. I believe it's a powerful weapon in the hand of a God that longs for all brokenness to be healed. I believe that when we come together as the body of Christ and know who we are and what we possess, nothing can be stopped. Nothing can be stopped. So here's what I want us to do real quick as we finish up. If you're ready just to be sent, Maybe you're already going, but man, you feel like there's something that God has put on your heart for you to do, a way that you can make a difference. Maybe it is an organization for you to start. Maybe it is joining the foster classes and saying, I wanna foster kids. Maybe, maybe it is you just being generous with, with your finances or being generous with your time and investing yourself into people. Maybe it's you just saying, God, would you allow me to be genuine in everything I do? Come on, if that's you, can you just stand up? Can you just stand up if you just say, I wanna be sent by God. I know that he's given me healing and I wanna be sent by God. There's something that I can do. There's something that he's laid on my heart. Awesome. With everyone's eyes closed, if, you, if you're standing up, can you just put your hands out like you're receiving something? And I'm just gonna pray. I just wanna pray for God to give you the courage, to give you the strategy, to give you the words, to say for that thing that he's called you to do. Come on, he's opened our eyes and he's sending us out. So God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your healing. God, we thank you that you've opened our blind eyes. God, that you've awakened our senses to your goodness, God. God, I thank you that you are in this place and you are calling us out. Whether people are standing or sitting, you're calling all of us out today, God, to go into the world, to this broken and hurting world. And you've called us to make a difference. 
God, I thank you that even in our messiness and even in the dirtiness of who we are sometimes, God, that you call us saints, that you fill us with your spirit, and God, that we can see miracles happen. And Lord, we do pray. We pray for miracles to happen on this campus, God. We pray for miracles to happen in our city, in our region, and in our nation and world. God, let us be, let us be the people that know who we are and what we possess in you, Jesus, so that we can be a weapon in your hand, God, so that we can be powerful in your hand, Jesus. God, we do pray for revival on this community. We pray that your love and your goodness would be seen. God, would you give all of us the courage to go out and be the people you've called us to be by your spirit and by your love. God, we love you and we give you all the praise and all the honor. And everyone said, amen.